You're listening to a Hindustan Times podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today we have with us uh, Vipul Rikhi, who's the author of Drunk on Love. The Life, Vision, and Songs of Kabir. Hi, Vipul. Hi, Manjula. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, Vipul, you know, I've been reading the book, and you know, I I was just, uh, and it's deep as is everything to do with Kabir. But uh, you know, I was just wondering, what made you? Let's start with an easy kind of question. You know, a simple question. What made you write this? You know, because it's not an easy undertaking, even if it's not a massive, like thick book. you know to deal with kabir and all the concepts is a, a challenge you know so that's what i'm asking well it evolved over several years uh, so my journey along with my journey with kabir and singing kabir um, so i started work with kabir project in bangalore in 2012 june 2012 and we had were working on uh, translating a lot of kabir songs and interviewing a lot of the folk singers who sing kabir and creating a digital archive mm-hmm. called ajab shahar and as part of that archive i was also writing about the ideas in kabir like some of the core ideas like jini or ram or guru and so on which mm-hmm. keep come again and again so i was doing those write ups anyway i'm a writer uh, so um for the archive as part of my work and over time i realize that there are so many legends stories so kabir is not like one neat phenomenon that mm. you can fit into one box yes. uh, this is the biography of kabir and this is you know these are his songs nothing is clear like that it's very yes. vast ocean mm. so you know because there is no history from that time there are legends only and also the songs you know the corpus is very amorphous because uh, no one wrote them down initially so uh and then people keep adding songs in the name yes. of kabir so it's an ever growing sort of uh, corpus so everything about kabir in the oral tradition is sort of like a flow a river a stream and i have i experienced this over many years with as part of my work with kabir project translating traveling meeting folk singers being on the ground in the field interacting with you know simple people who sing kabir in the villages and so on mm-hmm. and this kabir is the one that really spoke to me rather than any academic version of kabir yes so um, so then i wanted to capture this kabir you know and i developed a show uh, it's a one and a half hour show which i still do called ishq mastana or drunk on love mm-hmm. uh, which is one of kabir's songs very well known songs mm-hmm. and i started uh, i had an, an interest in telling stories and i had an interest in singing songs i thought why shouldn't i combine these two things and present the kabir that has spoken to me you know his life yes through legends and the songs and i started doing that show and after a point i realized this can expand because people kept asking me can you recommend to us a book which would capture you know uh, kabir and his life and who he was and what he represents and what he was all about in terms of his ideas and mm-hmm. so on and i felt that there was no one such book because a lot of the books on kabir are actually academic books yes uh, which also treat uh, kabir in a very uh, sort of academic oriented light which is of authenticity which is really kabir song which is not really kabir song which is historically true and which is not historically true 
whereas on the ground people don't care about these things whatever speaks to them as kabir is kabir that is yes. what kabir yes. is yes. right yes so i wanted to write about this kabir i wanted to present this kabir and people kept asking me for this book and i thought i have to write it because it doesn't exist <laughs> okay okay so you know you are talking about the intellectual uh, uh, you know attempts to do uh, uh, write about kabir and the thing and you've mentioned in your book also the whole his his sort of disdain for uh, for the you know for the pandits and the mullahs and the the people who use their brains too much to you know sort of um, i don't know to gauge the world i guess so, uh, you, so there's an irony in that itself right in that you know these people are attempting to use this intellectual sort of uh, uh, spectacles to <laughs> to view this person right so let's talk about Life. that also you know <laughs> Yeah yeah it's a very good point uh, Manjula and life is full of these ironies you know i mean an- another big irony i'll come to that in a minute but another big irony is kabir always said don't follow me you know like yes. the buddha he said be your own lamp search out your own truth don't believe me don't follow authority etc but there is a whole panth in his name yes for whom yes. kabir is god and there are rituals and there are you know and so on. so that is another irony related with kabir so that is a commoner's version of the irony which is like common people have appropriated some of them and made it into a kind of sect or religion yes. and then there is the academic version of this where you know certain academics feel that they have a greater right to you know authoritatively speak about kabir because they can do research and decode historical authenticity or whatever it is that they privilege you know whereas kabir doesn't privilege these things it's a question of what we privilege and what we call knowledge and kabir also questions this what do we call knowledge and what is knowledge mm-hmm. so um like pothi par par jag mua pandit bhayana koi dhai akhar prem ka pade so pandit hoy so love is knowledge they are not separate for kabir it's yeah. not like knowledge is some intellectual enterprise that you undertake cut off from the rest of your uh, life and the rest of your of your faculties Mm-hmm. knowledge is intimately connected with the heart with the ability to love with the ability to relate with the ability to so that's how it's it's a broader understanding of the world and that's what real knowledge is for kabir it's not this you know a uh, sort of microscopic lens of fragmented you know specialization mm-hmm. so um so these ironies abound everywhere activists also use kabir for their own special you know uh uh agendas which is like oh kabir is about hindu muslim unity but not really he is just like lambasting both hindus and muslims <laughs> he is not he all all he is saying is like dude, there is only one truth there is only one reality and what is the point of these useless and stupid you know arguments and fights in that sense he is unifying them but he is not interested in a kind of social brotherhood or harmony he never talks about this he yes. talks about something much higher than that you know yes and uh, so everyone uses kabir for their own agendas and it's okay <laughs> so it's it's fine uh, so as i say in the book i am also presenting the kabir that speaks to me mm-hmm. and it's only right you know and mm-hmm. someone else for someone else kabir will speak to them in a different way and mm-hmm. that's totally okay i mean i don't if you don't mind my going on there's mm-hmm. a very interesting discussion i was hearing the other day uh, about the left brain right brain uh, a philosopher scientist called Neil, Ian McGillcrist mm. and you know the left brain is a very focused focus oriented brain which is 
quite logical, rational, and so, so therefore also intellectual uh, and philosophical, and also oriented towards getting, achieving goals. Let's say mm-hmm. you know, and and the right brain understands holistic in, in relationship with other things, which may not be obviously related. You know, so it can see a bigger picture now. Mm-hmm. So it, he was saying that our civilization has also become much more left brain oriented. You know, yes. as modernity has progressed yes. due to technological advances and so on. So Kabir is very much about coming to this holistic framework of uh, of understanding broader relationship of self and the world, self and the other. Uh, you know, and within that framework, how do you understand the mind, heart? You know, and then further relationships in those like upper caste, lower caste, etc., etc., etc. So. Uh, so he offers a much broader vision you know and kabir is intellectually rigorous in that he is not yes. anti intellectual yes yes uh, but he's he's anti specialization like hmm hmm now i mean you know also you know we're talking about uh, modernity you know our like you said you know this idea of labeling everything of you know fixing everything and kabir is beyond that right beyond that sort of uh that sort of narrowness of perspective i guess which is uh, as we go go on as we go ahead it seems to be more and more prominent you know i need to uh, uh fix a label on everything so what do you, you know, do you want to talk about that yeah i mean the the thing with labels is that they are so limiting hmm. and uh, he is he is scornful of these uh, labels for example he says hindu moe hai ram kahi musliman khudai so Hindus fixate on Ram. It's a name. It's a concept. Muslims fixate on Rahman or Allah or Khuda, whatever they, you know, and they fixate on their label. He says they keep dying and they learn nothing. He says that one, and he even goes. I think he's saying that they are actually dead. They are not really alive. So he says that person is really alive who doesn't enter into this kind of fragmented experience of the world of oneself. Uh, you know because. I mean, this I can speak from my own experience also. Life is different when you experience it holistically rather than in this fragmented kind of way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while I was reading this, and we know that, uh, you know, neither the uh, pundits nor the mullahs liked him very much. And you've mentioned it also. And, but I'm just wondering, at that point in history, you know, um, how how were his words accepted despite so much opposition from the establishment you know he continues to live on you know so it's a mystery that i often think about so i was wondering you know yeah and uh, i mean it is true and there is uh, i mean uh, in the book i talk about a couple of stories yes. uh, about when P- he got persecuted and, uh, or when people laid traps for him uh, and somehow you know he came through them these are legends we don't know there are no verifiable yes. historical records of anything from that time but it does seem like there is a power in the words themselves that they you know people really it, it, it really spoke to the people of the time in spite of so much opposition from the power centers and the power brokers yes and also so that he got quite popular in his own time also he was quite well known and popular uh, and the other thing seems to be, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but some kind of divine grace, which allowed him to function even in that setting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, because uh, 
so and it's it's very interesting to think that for example if you take the example of mansoor mm. who was a sufi uh, poet and saint who was executed mm. for saying that i am the truth anal haq he said mm. anal haq which means haq means both truth and god so mm. it's heresy yeah mm. officially if you uh, yes so he refused to recant and he was executed at that time so he didn't actually survive this unlike kabir but his words are so powerful that each sufi has treated them after his life mm-hmm. so you see the power of these words even though he died this these words have been repeated by every single sufi poet since mansoor's time so you see how words and these ideas which uh, uh, are so fundamental can be so powerful and people you know they don't let it go they don't let it die mm-hmm. okay so um now this bit uh, it might have been hard to accept that one who sings so passionately of ram and hari might not have been born hindu at all it might also have been difficult to accept given well entrenched social prejudices that such words of wisdom as kabir utters often could flow from the mouth of a low caste illiterate weaver who couldn't even read or write so let's look at that you know on page 12 you say that and this is uh, one of the great things about him now somebody who couldn't read and write uh, but it is like pure knowledge that emerges you know somehow so that's also a big thing right about kabir i mean that prejudice is alive even today like we we think that only like the way we talk about oh uneducated people yes right? so i mean in in a social context that's a common phrase you hear oh yes. is uneducated and we think that school education or or university education how confers on us you know a better understanding of the world yes. i'm not sure that's necessarily true it equips us better for the job market and for certain kinds of opportunities i'm yes. not sure it brings more wisdom you know yes. and it may have the opposite effect so uh, so this is a which is quite common then and common now yes. uh, that you know somehow book learning makes you wiser or more sophisticated in your understanding where which has nothing to do with the truth you know mm. and often in our own experience we meet who are highly educated people who can't really think for themselves yes whereas a person on the street can often think for them think things out for themselves you know mm-hmm. so it's nothing actually to do with so much with the education so uh that prejudice is there the caste prejudice exists uh and uh religious prejudice i mean has been from that time it's not yeah. like new it's been there all the time that you know uh how can someone else sing about our god yes. so god has also been divided you know like my god is different from your god and yes. you know you cannot sing about my god or i cannot so we've like made our little you know terrains and territories like humans are territorial like dogs yeah. so they make their little territory <laughs> yeah and then you cannot enter this territory but it has nothing to do with reality you know it yeah. just go with the social structure that you happen to be but the reality that kabir constantly invokes and which he has experienced he says mm. and which he has seen for himself uh is is something bigger than this mm. you know and uh, and what i experience is the people who are touched by kabir or this music or this poetry or his words in any way they they are touched by this dimension you know because yeah. enough of the division in our lives through the media through the you know constant noise uh, of mm. politics and religion and so 
we we have enough of reserve and kind of uh, this kind of rhetoric and language and, and so when you hear someone invoke a dimension where all this doesn't apply you know mm-hmm. and which you can experience within yourself that really touches people and that is just the dimension that kabir is invoking and mm-hmm. that's why his words are so powerful and that's why they're also timeless yes yes so the structure of structure of religious division may keep changing the structure of political oppression may keep changing uh, those things in detail may keep changing but mm. the reality that he invokes beyond this is, is timeless and so his mm. words are also timeless mm. and i don't know if if i'm wrong but like uh, it seems to me that the kind of people who are attracted to his you know to his uh, his songs his duas you know are a specific kind of person who also is looking for for that sort of world right yeah i think it is people who are drawn to think more than just the just the usual mundane uh, level of whether it's social reality or economic reality let's say or i mean things of the world which are important not to run mm-hmm. them down kabir himself was a weaver yes kabir himself was uh, a working man and had probably a wife kids and so on and so he was not sitting in the forest or on a mountain yes. and he talks about being in the markets all those yes. things are important but also there is something else and when a person feels either through music like music is a great way for this mm-hmm. either through music or through poetry or through a, a, a spiritual experience or a religious experience or anything of any any or the loss of a loved one sometimes or mm. the loss of a relationship or the loss of something mm. uh, you know that often is a trigger or to then also seek meaning in something else not to discard this but also there is another dimension of meaning so uh, you know uh, for example kabir says in one doha which is a very famous one he says कबीरा खड़ा बाजार में लिए लुकाठी हाथ जो घर जा रहे आप चलो हमारे साथ स्टैंडीजी all your affiliation whether it's familial or religious or social or whatever class caste gender religion whatever you think that you have identified with once you start looking beyond that then you come to this you know message because uh, it it is uh, it 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 all the beauty of music poetry and even human relationship resides in this genre mm-hmm. you know so all the 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 factors of beauty love truth all goodness all these kinds of things reside in this dimension so of course all humans are drawn to this dimension mm-hmm. but some people due to whatever reason then they actively take steps to to explore more of this dimension Mm-hmm. Now, you know you you write about how uh, you know you've had um, great interactions with musicians who have been working with uh, the kabir uh, uh, you know uh, corpus in their folk traditions so talk about that you know that's really interesting right because you know i've heard folk musicians and and, and like you say there the way they sing kabir is is so fantastic you know so yeah 
I mean, my Kabir journey started because I heard Prahlad Ji, Prahlad Singh Tepanya, who is a folk singer mm-hmm. from Madhya Pradesh. Yes. And I had never heard anything like this before. This was in 2008. So, and then I met other folk singers uh, from the different parts of the country. Mahesha Ramji is from Rajasthan. Mukhtiar Ali is from Rajasthan. Murra Lala is from Gujarat. Kalu Ramji is also from Madhya Pradesh. So different parts of the country. And I, uh, along with Shabnam and the Kabir Project team, uh, we went to their villages and met many of them in their setting and how they... not on the urban stage of the mm. mics even that is very striking but also if you go to the village and how they sing for themselves and their you know uh, the jagran or the satsang which yeah. goes on at night you know yes. or the, when people gather yeah. uh, sometimes in the thousands mm. so um, you feel this you feel like, like whether it's a small a uh, gathering in a village chopal where mm. you know just the village people have come mm. after their days work you know mm. uh, or whether it's a gathering of thousands uh, when prelaji performs there are thousands of people who come from many villages to listen to him mm. you feel this energy where you feel kabir is alive mm. you know and uh, and he is alive and electric because all those people are responding to that energy you know and often singing along mm. often playing uh, the cymbals manjiras or whatever uh, dancing mm. or even sleeping it doesn't matter like it's it's a it's a very informal space where you can be yourself mm. you can sleep you can dance you can mm. sing along uh, mm. but the, the the thing the thread that unites everyone is this powerful combination of music and poetry and their language in their language you know mm-hmm. because kabir has been adapted wherever he went so the songs if they travel to rajasthan they became marwadi and if mm-hmm. they travel to madhya pradesh they became malvi so it's mm-hmm. in their language people have owned it yeah so people own uh, own the music they own the poetry mm-hmm. and then you feel that this kabir is very different you know he's alive in this moment embodied it's an embodied kabir it's not a disembodied kabir living in textbooks or in you know so that is oh that is very striking experience mm-hmm. so very striking it strikes you and in the kabir tradition we call it the chot mm-hmm. they call it shabd ki chot jab aapko shabd ki chot lagti hai you are wounded by the word shabd means the word literally yes so it means of course it means this poetry but it also means the cosmic sound mm. you know the cosmic energy the the divine sound whatever so when that strikes you you are wounded and this poetry strikes you this music hits you you are wounded and something is opened up within you mm. you know and as rumi says the wound is the place where the light enters so you need this wound this openness you know something has to open and in man bhajan is khulai antar khirki the the window then opens and this is a very it's hard to describe this experience but people who have been in this context they've experienced it uh yeah and it it turns you makes you vulnerable uh it makes you soft and it makes you receptive you know and uh, that's when the music world really enters they can really penetrate you mm. you know and this is the power of the tradition it's not polished it's mm. not sophisticated it's not a very you know uh, technically let's say 
of its but it's still very in its own it's very western sophisticated and technical but not in a classical sense it's not mm. so but the power that it carries is something else so the oral musicians the oral tradition musicians have encountered many of them who sing kabir bring this this element to their singing because the soil is there and their lived experience is there and often many of them you know they are they are working people often like a common people who sing kabir in the village they work in the fields or they sell fruit or the, whatever they do or their mm. school teachers or whatever it is like but they are you know ordinary working people and they bring that sort of everyday experience life of uh, you know both joy and hardship to to this uh, music and it's not just uh, uh, you know some abstract art it's very much a lived uh, experience related to the rest of the lives Mm-hmm. So, so you know, when you met these musicians, it was what was it like? This was what, like, when you write about it in the book, it almost seems like you went through some sort of transformative, you know. Yeah, like this is exactly what I just described. Like it, the because of this energy being in that space, and also they carry a lot of wisdom which they share in a very spontaneous way without mm-hmm. making a big deal about it. Like sometimes <laughs> they just tell a story like this while laughing. and you realize mm-hmm. my god what a deep thing this person has just said you know mm-hmm. but uh, so it's uh, it's that kind of spontaneity hanging around you know uh, at night in the chopal or outside in the angan outside the house or over a cup of chai or traveling in a jeep somewhere these kind of you know through the desert or into a village or you know and interacting with their families you know their wives children everyone uh, so that is the context in which uh, you realize how this is a living tradition mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> an embodied tradition so that experience is is it is it is transformative and uh, yeah i'm very to because shabnam had started shabnam vermani she's a filmmaker she had started doing this work and so and she had started the kabir project so we used to go often and and uh, you know interact with the different singers in their context as well as calling them to the city so yeah that has that transformed me and also the experience of singing along with them and singing on my own also was mm. trans mm. so you know let's talk about how you started singing kabir yourself right because you weren't before so you know yeah that's a kind of a chain effect because you know uh, shabnam was a filmmaker she was singing out with prelaji and other folk singers and at some point she started singing you know mm-hmm. and uh, as she put sit i put down the camera and i picked up the tambura and she started she was already singing by the time i met her and then when i moved to bangalore to work with kabir project i also joined her group of singing and i started singing along with her mm-hmm. and just so that's the folk tradition for you that's the beauty of the folk tradition and its openness everyone can join in everyone can sing everyone wants to sing and uh, you are not judged on how you sing it's more about you know the feeling or the bhav mm-hmm. so it's it's a bhakti tradition so the bhav is very important mm-hmm. the feeling mm-hmm. uh, so um, so how i and i always liked singing i didn't train as a musician but since childhood i've been singing so i've always been musical i always liked singing i was always singing but when i started the, singing these songs then i felt ah now i'm singing what i really want to sing you know because uh, earlier i was singing film songs 
which are some of them, especially the old ones, are really nice and poetic, and I enjoyed singing them. But when I started singing these songs, then I felt, ah, now I'm singing what my soul wants to sing, and that sort of like made me really get up more in a more, you know, uh, constant way. And this this also brings me to the point about you know the authenticity of uh, uh, of these songs. You know, I don't know what it is. I mean, clearly that's what makes them mystical because you know at once you know that this is real in some way. I mean, in the most important way. I don't know whether that's your ex- that's of course that is your experience. That's why you've you know. And do you want to talk about that? You know. Yeah, I mean, so that's from the oral traditions. People are not bothered about authenticity uh, and uh, in the sense of whether this is a Kabir song or not a Kabir song, and people often happily interchange. Like yes. you can hear the same song being sung as a Kabir song, and you know, sometime later the same singer might sing the same song in a song. I've heard that happen. So <laughs> it, it's uh, so it doesn't matter, you know. In a in a larger perspective, it doesn't matter because what is being said is more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 content or the message of the song, what the song carries, the truth mm-hmm. that it's carrying, is more important. So then the then the copyright or the trademark is not so important, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And uh, so so people in the oral tradition are very free about. And, you know, they are like spar with each other, like Gorakh uh, followers will spar with Kabir followers, and Kabir followers will spar with Gorakh followers, and Gorakh followers will say this is a Gurkhnath song, and Kabir followers <laughs> say no, this is a Kabir song. It's all very amusing and interesting, and it's not to be taken very seriously, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, but the the the, the message everyone is focusing. Mm-hmm. What is the song actually saying? Why it's like fighting about you know being Hindu or Muslim and forgetting about God. Yeah. What is the point of being either Hindu or Muslim if you forget about God, right? Mm-hmm. So what is the point whether it's a Kabir song or a Gorakh song if you don't listen to the song? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so it, again we are caught up in the same labels, you know, yes. and we want just copyright. Yeah. We just want our territory. And the the other uh, notion of authenticity I think comes from the West. which is like the individual author right yes. uh, because in the oral traditions like our oral traditions especially like all the vedas and the mahabharats the epics and then the puranas there is not a single author it's yes. uh, many authors have contributed just like our architecture yes generations those things you know so so our uh, notion of authorship traditionally is also more fluid and supple you know mm-hmm. it's understood that the geeta is not written by one person yes yes and so and no one tries to identify so you said okay ved vyas is the author of mahabharat so that's like a space for you know <laughs> author and everyone can pitch in their contribution to that you know yeah, yeah. and so you know and uh, so similarly this notion for the search for the authentic whether it was written right but whether it was written by him or not it's a very western academic oriented uh, approach mm. which is fine in its own place but i think it's kind of misplaced here mm. okay okay let's also talk about this i you know like how people deny uh, not deny maybe you know this idea of uh, kabir being a man who had a wife and children and you know uh, 
some people don't accept that and you've you've dealt with that and said that because the idea of the sant being beyond the worldly things you know no so kabir actually in his poetry the th- the irony of course is uh, that uh, you know uh, uh, like the religious people don't actually listen to their own religious texts <laughs> you know <laughs> similarly uh, kabir uh, the those who want to own kabir in a certain way don't listen to kabir and what he's mm-hmm. saying because mm-hmm. he himself is conful of constantly is conful of people who run away to the forest who run away from the world yes you know, because like in one place he says that uh, you know ek to ban mein ghar kare do jo ghar mein rahe beraag let us remember the whole doha jagan mein hi sovna sovan mein hi raag ek to ban mein ghar kare do jo ghar mein rahe beraag so in our waking there is actually sleep in our sleep there is attachment hmm? mm-hmm. one goes to the forest and creates a household there or creates a home there full of attachment you know mm-hmm. my this my that etc etc and yes. another can stay in the home and be detached yes you know so it's not the physical location of whether you're in the forest or whether you've taken a road or and you know it's not attachment is not that attachment mm. attachment is, mm. you know so you can be in the world and function in the world and yet be detached or you can be a renunciant and yet be as we see detached to power or money or fame or you know sensual pleasures whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, so then of course i mean you know this is timeless and constant human tendency that we will take any message whether it's religious or from the saints or the teacher and then we will put in our own favor for our own you know whatever however it sense to us to some people it makes sense that kabir must be he can't even be human so some people even say he is not human he came down you know as a yes. incarnation yeah and um, and uh, so so of course if he is a divine incarnation then he can't have anything to do with human activities <laughs> you know having a wife and having children and so on so i mean i think it's okay whatever wants anyone wants to believe it's fine as long as they don't shoot other people for you know believing other things yeah yeah and it's very much like the like jesus now people refusing to believe that he was a yeah he yeah. was human you know so in yes, that sense, yeah yeah also you know also let's talk about how his you know like the idea of caste how he's beyond the idea of caste and actually that's what appeals to even social activists basically that's why they look at him in such a narrow way right because of his frequent anti caste pronouncements so you want to tackle yes. yeah i mean he uh, himself was a low caste person and he refers to himself as one and scornfully uh, yes. so that also is a i mean it's a very empowering attitude uh, if you look especially at those times and also in certain context today yeah for a so called low caste person to speak so confidently in his own voice and say all your caste uh, nonsense means nothing you know and that the knowledge that you can get from your scriptures i can get a higher knowledge in my own self with a direct yes. connection uh to the divine and i don't need to enter your temple you don't let me enter your temple so i don't need to enter your temple you have to think about how empowering a message that is yeah you know, because obviously no one is saying that at yeah. that time all the yeah. official official discourse is saying totally the opposite thing yes so for a for a ordinary man to stand up and speak confidently in that voice it's a very empowering voice 
and um, that's what activists also pick up on that that sense of you know that uh, this power belongs to us you know this power to define who i am mm. uh, and what i am and what my connection with the sacred or the divine is and you know how i relate to the world it's all to do with me it's nothing to do with my religion or with my caste so that kind of message is uh, he he says it very often uh, mm. that uh, you know uh, he is conful of uh, people who just go on about caste and it's so contemporary i mean it's so modern you know that way of thinking which constantly hits you when you listen to it yeah yeah because he is against any kind of labeling and sort of pinning down and you know narrowing down of identity so in that's why he also appeals to a lot of modern and young people because he's uh, he's liberating your identity from narrow boundaries of whatever however you choose to define yourself uh, and he's urging you uh, to to constantly go beyond that for example he says in a famous uh, poem he says हाँ कहूँ तो है नहीं ना भी कहो नहीं जाए हाँ और ना के बीच में मेरा सदगुरु राहस आई कांट से येस आई कांट से नो आई कांट से राइट राइट आई कांट से रॉन्ग आई कांट से राइट और लेफ्ट सो इट्स नॉट सो इजी टू डिवाइड थिंग्स इनटू दिस ब्लैक एंड व्हाइट कैटेगरीज एंड इट्स बिटवीन दिस टू इज वेयर माई ट्रूथ माई गुरु लिव सो दस्टेंटली इन्वाइट यू मोर सटल अंडरस्टैंडिंग ऑफ योर सेल्फ एंड ऑफ द वर्ल्ड Hmm. and that's very sort of relieving you know in a way because these identities also weigh on us very heavily hmm. Hmm. okay now you've like you know you've spoken about the legends to do with kabir right a few of them you've you've mentioned and you've uh, you know so how did you pick these ones uh, i mean i picked the ones that seemed the most representative about his life there are other ones which seemed like they didn't have i they were neither uh um interesting nor they had had they a deeper meaning or a message behind them so i left those out because w- what's the point but i picked the legends from his birth till his death uh which some one the most uh, common ones the most repeated ones in popular folklore mm-hmm. uh, and also the ones which seem to me the most interesting in terms of the messaging in terms of what they represent and how also they align with his poetry Mm-hmm. how they align with his vision and his poetry and his message so i chose the ones that seem to align most with what he himself says in his mm-hmm. poetry mm-hmm. okay now talking about translating his poetry now you know other your poets like um, uh, uh, arvind krishna mehrotra and you know they've also like done translations so but i find that your translation is is really like it's it hits hits you when you're reading it and also uh, i also i wondered why you didn't place on the page the 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 hindi uh, maybe you know maybe it's for people who can't read hindi in roman script but in the original and, and the translation side by side though you at the end you also have it in in that you know why wasn't it i mean this is a very uh, i don't know maybe a publisher should answer it i don't know yeah yeah it's a technical question also because it increases then the page size and the book ah. size and everything and the costs and everything okay so i mean the so even we couldn't even uh, print devnagari the original script so yes. we use the roman script for the original yes. text yes and also then uh, it's easier to print in a, in a in a row rather than facing each other we couldn't i mean i would have ideally liked even the individual translations to have each separate page for themselves but even that was not possible for other considerations because we had to keep the book compact and also 
not beyond a certain price range so mm. yeah okay so that's why so you know talking about the translation so did you like refer to other translations or was this you know how did you go about it yeah i referred to the available translations that i could find mm. of uh, each poem but also i had uh, uh, you know the understanding of the folk singers who sing these songs because uh-huh. i've interacted with them uh-huh. so it was not just ba- i mean the translations were not my first reference point my first okay. reference point for any song is how i've received it from a person who sings it or multiple mm-hmm. people who sing it. because many of these songs are sung by multiple singers from different areas and they bring their own you know understanding to it so i've interacted with them over the years and uh, and also then my own understanding of uh, the song mm-hmm. so i think these two were the most most important factors for me of how i've received it from someone who sings it mm. uh, and also ma- how i uh, receive it in myself when i sing it so as a singer also how i relate to it not just as a as a, as a reader mm. uh, so yeah, that changes things a bit when you when you relate to a poem as a song that you sing yourself mm. versus as something you read on a book or on a page yes. uh, that also makes a difference and then i also uh, refer to translations by other translators like linda hayes and uh, Arvind Krishnan Mehrotra and uh, Vinay Dharwadkar and so on. So, uh, yeah, so then I came to, and I had my effort, my attempt was to not to go too far from the song mm-hmm. because, you know, it's uh, become like a thing after Coleman Barks and Rumi that, mm-hmm. you know, you sort of, you are trans uh, creating the poem rather than translating yes. the poem. That has yes. become a sort of trend yeah. and you make it very modern and so on. So my my effort was to use contemporary vocabulary of course but to stay close to the song the structure of the song and the meaning of the song mm-hmm. and with that sort of framework within that framework uh, to create to make it as contemporary as possible so mm-hmm. that is trying to do both these things not you know uh, that's why i often retain also the structure of the song you know mm-hmm. how it flows over the song okay Okay, yeah, it works. <laughs> I thought yeah, it like, really worked. <laughs> okay, okay. So, it, it, you know, to do you want to read uh, your personal favorite um, from you know? So uh, I'll read the title poem. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs to sing also, okay. and I'll I'll also speak it in Hindi. Yes, uh, yes. For the flavor of the. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to like intersperse the verses or speak the whole thing in Hindi and then in English? Which way would you like? Maybe I should intersperse oh. because so that the yeah, listeners I'll... can, you know, we'll yeah, that's what I would normally do. Yeah. 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 Sure. So this song is called "Haman Hai Ishq Mastana." So Kabir says, "Haman Hai Ishq Mastana." Haman ko hoshi yari kya? Rahein azad ya jagt se. Haman dunya se yari. So Kabir says, I'm drunk on love. What need of cleverness? I'm free in this world. What need of worldliness? Jo bichhde hain piyare se bhatakte dar badar phirte. Amara yaar hai humne, haman ko intizari kya. They wander who are lost, parted from the beloved. My beloved dwells in me. I have no hankering. Na pal bichhde piyare se, na hum bichhde piyase. Not once did I lose sight of him. Not once did he leave my side. I am constantly connect, connected to him. 
आई हैव नो अनइजीनेस इन दी एंड ही सेज कबीरा इश्क का माता दुई को दूर कर दे जो चलना राह नाजुक है अमन सिर बोझ भारी कबीर इज ड्रंक ऑन लव हिज हार्ट फ्री ऑफ ड्यूप्लिसिटी such a delicate path to tread why overburden your head wow very nice very nice and with that we'll end you know and for the readers uh, for the listeners go out and get drunk on love the life vision and songs of kabir by vipul rikhi it's a lovely book and i mean if you're into kabir it's even greater and you'll really enjoy it thank you so much vipul for talking to me thank you manjula thank you so much bye Bye. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Hold up. 